0: why would we have a team of five bringing the message of Jesus Christ to 80 million people who are pretty much unreached with that message right now? Well, because Jesus Christ asked us to. In the words of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus Christ is with his early church followers, and this is what he says to them. He's about to ascend to the right hand of God. He's been resurrected from the dead for about 40 days. And he says these words, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey my commands that I have given you, and surely I will be with you to the end of the age. It's what is often called the Great Commission, and he commissioned his church to carry his message to the whole world. He says this another way in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He's with the same followers. It's the same context. He's about to ascend to heaven. But he says it this way. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the city they were in. And Judea, which was the district that city was in. And to Samaria, which would basically be like the county, if you will. And to the ends of the earth. He's basically saying, wherever my followers go, they are to be my witnesses in those places. And it's because of these words of Jesus Christ. Mount Perrin North, since our inception 25 years ago, has been a part of what we call world missions. And every year at this time, we have a missions festival where we invite all of our missionaries to come and be with us. And for a week in different settings in our worship services like today. In classrooms as well as in small groups, our missionaries share what the Lord is doing through their respective ministries into their countries where they minister. And it's an opportunity for us as a church body to really refocus on this commission that God has called us to, but also to see how in tangible ways we can actually be involved in seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ go around the world. And we'll talk a little bit about more of that in in just a moment when we close out Our time together. We have presently 13 missionaries in 12 countries, and these flags you see up here represent the different countries where we have ministry. We have two of our missionaries here with us today. Unfortunately, we couldn't have all of them here. The rest of them are back at our Marietta campus with assignments there, and they're completing our missions festival that we're a part of. But when you leave today out in the lobby area, there's all kinds of information. Maybe you saw it as you came in about our missionaries. I hope you'll take the time to do that. I want to do right now is introduce to you the two missionaries that we have, and you just met one of them via the uh, uh, video you you just saw, and that's Mark and Heather Miller. Mark and Heather, would you stand, please? Come out here into the light so they can really see you. Mark is going to give you one of those. I asked him where I could get one of those head things right there, but... uh, but I don't think I'd look good in it like he does. But this, they lead a team of five, as you know, into North India. And for the most part, they've, this area has never heard the message of Jesus Christ. And uh, this is an area that's not always kind to the message of Jesus Christ. So Mark and Heather have to uh, really use a lot of patience, it's a lot of love, it's a lot of serving. It's a lot of wisdom they have to use as God uses them. And they're making headway in a great way. So we definitely need to be in prayer for them because of the area of ministry that they're in. Also, we have with us today Benjamin and Mandu Toma. Benjamin Mandu, if you would stand please and come into the light so we can be sure and see you. They're from Liberia, Africa, and they pastor a church. They lead a Bible college. They run a school for children. Three different locations, this school is called Feed My Lambs, and they have about 1,000 children that they serve. They feed about 250 children per day through this ministry. Many of those children probably wouldn't have a meal or just have one meal if it weren't for them. They train people in business so they can be financially free. They have planted another church. ...outside the church that they pastor... ...and they're looking to pastor two, uh, uh, plant two more churches in the next 12 months so the Lord is really using them in a great way to bring the message of Jesus Christ now these are just two of our missionaries that represent all of our missionaries and as I said you can find all kind of information about them I hope you will take the time to talk with the Millers and with the Tomas they'll be out in our lobby area when you leave right now we're going to dismiss them to go be with our children they're going to talk to our children about who they are and what they do once again as they leave would you let them know how much you appreciate them and all that they're doing we truly do If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look at one particular verse here this morning, and that's verse 14. Matthew 24, verse 14. For those of you, perhaps this is your first time to be with us. My name is Mark Walker, and I'm the senior pastor of the Mount Perrin North Marietta and Canton campuses. You met Jeremy, our campus pastor, and along with him, I'm very grateful and very thrilled that you took the time to be with us today. We're going to be looking at this one verse. We'll look at it here in just a moment. Uh, but first let's, let's pray. Father we thank you for this opportunity. God we thank you that you're here with us. We ask you now just to continue to move among us. Continue to open up our hearts to what you would have us. To hear and understand about you, us and what you want to do through us. Not just in our respective sphere of influences here. But around this world. We thank you for this opportunity now in Jesus name. Amen. Have you ever seen that? What? A cold stand up that fast. The story of Secretariat is a story about the hero inside each of us. Our father's farm has been losing money for years now. On a horse breeding operation, you need a certain touch. You're a housewife. I gave up a career to have our family, and this Colt is part of our family now. I just want to see him run, Miss. This is a gentleman's club, Miss. I need a good trainer just to get things stabilized. You need a Lucian Lauren. Dresses like Superfly. He's trying to retire. Four. Well, Mr. Lauren, what do you think? I think he eats too much. He lays against the back of that starting gate like he's in the Caribbean. Any other questions? How much did you spend on that hat? She did something unique at that point in time, and it was quite controversial. You're guaranteeing that this horse is going to win the triple crown? Hasn't been done in 25 years. You're that stubborn. I'm that right. Against all odds, she went out there... When people said she couldn't and realize a dream. Which of you ladies own secretary? <laughs> His name is Secretariat. And he's gonna beat them all. Secretariat sprinting away! I don't care how many times they tell us we can't do it. I am not giving up. She scares me. Good. The victory's not whether we hold the gold cup. Hey, there's mom! The victory is whether we gave our hearts to it. Oh, yeah. It's something magical that happened that year. Here comes Secretariat. Life is about finding how far you can go, how fast you can run. It's the will to win if you can. Come on, red pieces it. And live with it if you can't. You are about to see something that you ain't never seen before. Her name is Peggy Tweedy. And uh, she owns a race, owned a racehorse in a time when women owned very little, if anything at all. And to own something of that magnitude, uh, a woman wasn't really taken seriously. She had been a housewife for 18 years, raising her children, when she decided to give her hand at horse breeding. She was mocked by about everybody, including her own family, and she was told time and time again she would royally fail. The horse that she bred was, well, was kind of unruly and undisciplined. He was lazy and he ate too much and his name was Secretariat. Well, Tweety with this horse Secretariat set out on a mission and her mission was that with this horse, they were going to win the Triple Crown. Now, the Triple Crown is like the Super Bowl or the World Series of horse racing. It's winning the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes, those three races, all in a row within a five-week period. Only 11 horses in horse racing history have ever done that. And this was Tweedy's mission. However, she made a public guarantee that they would win the Triple Crown. And sure enough... In 1973, Secretariat won the Triple Crown and in two of the three races that he ran, he set course records that still stand today. And most believe that Secretariat is the greatest racehorse ever. And ESPN voted Secretariat as number 35 in the top 100 best North American athletes. Voted him ahead of Mickey Mantle and Lawrence Taylor, believe it or not. And here you have this... Unlikely leader against all opposition with very little to work with, no support, heading out on a mission and guaranteeing its success. And they won so much so that it changed horse racing and the world of sports forever. That sounds like another mission we might be familiar with. The mission of Jesus Christ through his church. Here you have this unlikely leader who was this Jewish carpenter's son from Nazareth. And Scripture tells us that nothing good comes from Nazareth. Nazareth was considered the rear end of Israel, believe it or not. The establishment hated Christ. His followers were primary uh, uh, Jewish peasants, oppressed Jewish peasants and common folk who tended to be easily frightened. They were overindulgent and they were rather, rather hard-headed. And Jesus Christ claimed to be God. He claimed to be the Savior of the world. He claimed to bring the kingdom of God. And he claimed that his people would carry the kingdom of God, that message, to all the earth. It was an insane idea of a mission. That that this man, who was of a carpenter's son, taking just a handful of this lowly people and saying, this is our mission, to take this mission of a new king that's going to bring a new kingdom and we're going to carry it to the greatest force on earth, the Roman Empire. It was insane. But to add more insanity to it, it wasn't just a mission that he said was going to happen. He guaranteed it would succeed. And that brings us to Matthew 24, verse 14. And this is Jesus Christ's guarantee. This is what he said. He said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. Now, this is crazy. I mean, if he was telling this to thousands upon thousands of followers who were armed and ready to carry this into battle, to go and bring this this new kingdom with this new king, to face all the forces, that would have been one thing. But he is talking to just a small band of people And saying, this is our mission. And guess what? I guarantee that it will go to all the earth. And every nation is going to hear this gospel of the kingdom. Well, you know what? Ever since he made that guarantee. And from the time that the church was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost that Acts chapter 2 tells us about. This message of Jesus Christ, this mission of His kingdom, has expanded through all the world more than any other mission, more than any other message, more than any other cause in human history. Why? Why is this mission successful? And why do we want to be a part of it? Well, three basic reasons why. First of all, this mission, it's good. Say it's good. It says that that we're going to go preach the good news of the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom. The word gospel means good news. That's what it means. Now, when we're talking about the good news of God, we're not talking about a good news that just cheers us up. We're not talking about a good news that just helps us uh, 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 cheer up our spirits. We're not talking about a good news that helps us just to get our minds off of things so we can just not have to worry about our stuff for just a little while. No, when we're talking about the good news of God, This good news Christ was talking about, we're talking about the good news that is the answer to human suffering. It's the good news that's the answer to human poverty. It's the good news that's the answer to human injustice. It's the good news that's the answer to the wickedness and the evil that we see in this world and that has touched our lives. It's the good news that gives us the ultimate reality of who we are and why we're here. Our reason for being. It's the good news that secures for us a future and gives us a hope of our destiny. When we're talking about the good news of God, we're not talking about a good news that brings a temporary fix. We're talking about a good news that brings eternal transformation into people's lives. And the reason we want to be a part of this and the reason that it's successful because it's good. Now just to give you an idea of how good it is, I want to just read you some stats very quickly of what's been accomplished just within the past year since our last missions festival last year what's been happening through our 13 missionaries around this world. Here's some stats that we've been able to accumulate that we have documented at this point. This past year, we've seen over 1,300 salvations, people choosing to follow Jesus Christ. This past year, through our missionary efforts, we have over 70 water baptisms. We've had over 75 filled with the Spirit. The idea of being filled with the Spirit, when someone chooses to follow Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of them. But later on in that walk, as we mature in that walk, the Holy Spirit is released in a full greater way into our lives. And we've seen 75 folks throughout our mission efforts over this past year be filled with the Spirit. Over 100, we have documented, have been healed. Healed of diseases, healed of sicknesses. We've had over 75 delivered. That's being delivered like from alcoholism and drug addiction, even some from demon possession. We have trained over 340 people for ministry. These are people from indigenous areas who came to Christ through our missionary efforts. And now they've been trained for ministry themselves. We have fed hundreds and clothed hundreds. We don't even know the number throughout these efforts that we've been able to deal with that are poor and needy. And we've been able to clothe them and feed them. We've also started seven church plants throughout this year. And we've had opportunity in seven different persecuted areas where followers of Christ are persecuted to be able to go into those areas and not just to bring the gospel, but be able to minister to those who have uh, felt the persecution, who have needed to be helped and to be cared for. This kind of stuff doesn't happen because we do it well. It happens because it's good. Say it's good this mission it happens because it's good but also because it's global say it's global he said i'm going to have you preach this gospel to all the world it's global this good news is not just for a particular group of people in one particular location it is it is for every culture This this gospel is not bound by the cultural differences around the world. It's not bound by land boundaries. It's not bound by language barriers. It transcends culture. It's the answer for every culture. And and I hope we all realize that God just doesn't speak Cherokee County English. You realize that, don't you? He speaks a little Spanish every now and then, I understand. I mean, He speaks God. God. He speaks what the world needs to hear. It's not bound by any cultural setback of any kind. It is what the world is looking for. And you know, when you begin to get involved with different cultures and you begin to get involved in different people of the world, it can make it very, very interesting because of just the differences that exist between us. I had the opportunity of being in uh, the the British Virgin Isles and I was, I was speaking there, and I'd finished preaching. The service was over, and I had to go to the restroom. Now, this is going to be a bathroom story, so hang in there with me. But, but I had to go to the restroom, and, and uh, I, I walked into the restroom. And in the men's restroom, there's, there's equipment hanging on the wall that, that is not in women's restrooms. And I needed to take advantage of that equipment, so I'm, I'm standing there minding my own business. And, and there's a person in the stall next to me, and I hear movement, and, and then I hear them Get out. And I hear the, the, the footsteps behind me. And then I hear them washing their hands in the sink. And I'm, I'm not paying attention to anything they're doing. And then all of a sudden, I just hear them say, uh, Pastor Walker, good preaching. Thanks for coming. The only problem was it was a female voice. And I'm, I thought immediately, I'm in the women's bathroom. But then I thought, no, no. These aren't on the walls of women's bathrooms. And I'm thinking, okay, this must be a unisex bathroom or this is the way they do it in this culture. And I didn't know how to respond to this woman. She's standing right there. I've never been complimented that way in that context. I had no frame of reference by which to respond. And I just simply looked at her eyeball to eyeball. I said, thank you very much. God bless you. Have a good day. What else do you say in that situation? I mean, it's global. I mean, everybody needs Jesus, and everybody's got to go to the bathroom. It's global. But I've had the opportunity of standing in a one-room schoolhouse in Durban, South Africa, where I was one of two white people in the whole place, and about 60 or 7 Zulu tribes people standing in that one-room schoolhouse, barely, barely able to fit into it, in the dead of night, no electricity, and the only thing lighting the room was a lantern hanging from the ceiling. I've had the opportunity of standing in a former KGB building in Siberia, Russia, and speaking to hundreds of Russians to hear the message of Jesus Christ. I've had the opportunity of standing before thousands of people in Indonesia and speaking to them about Christ. I've had the opportunity, and it's a wonderful privilege to be able in those types of settings, in many different settings, and to speak, and to speak through a translator. And when you're speaking through a translator, you have no idea what they're saying. I really believe they're not even saying anything you're saying. I think they're preaching their own message. I really, really do. And you have no clue as to how this is all community. Can all this language barrier, all this cultural stuff, that's just so resistant and clashing to anything you're about, but I have seen time and time and time again in those settings where people have been, been touched by the presence and power of God. They've come to Christ. I've seen them healed. I've seen them deliver of demons. I've seen them delivered of alcohol and drugs. And in those types of settings, what they do what they do, they when they are set free in that service, they will leave that service, they will go home, and the next day if there's a service, they will bring all their liquor, they'll bring all their drugs, and they will burn that stuff up right there in front of God and everybody. What I'm trying to say to you, this message of God is not just for one particular people, but everyone is to receive and hear because it is His message. And just to give you an idea... Just to give you an idea of how good and global this message is. I took this from the Joshua Project website. And this is just the latest stats on what's happening around this world concerning the message of Jesus Christ. 160,000 per day hear the message of Christ around this world. 2,000 people per hour choose Christ around the world. In 1800 nearly 75% of the world had never heard the message of Christ. Today, today, only 25% have never heard the message of Jesus Christ. And if you go to the Middle East... And we see a lot happening in the Middle East right now. We see what's happening with Syria. We see what's happening in Egypt. We see what's happening in Iran. And Iran is building up all this nuclear uh, ability. And they're rattling that sword, making all kinds of threats to Israel and to the United States of America. But what we don't see is what's happening behind the scenes in these predominantly Islamic countries. But let me just let you see what's happening with this message of Jesus Christ in the Middle East. In Iraq... Over 5,000 people have chosen Christ since 2008. In Afghanistan, over 10,000 people have chosen Christ since 2001. In Israel, which is predominantly Judaism, but it also has Islam in there because there's many Muslims that live in Israel... Over 20,000 have chosen Christ since 1948 when Israel became a nation. When Israel became a nation in 1948, there was only, they could only document 12 people who were followers of Christ. Since that time now, we have close to 20,000. In Egypt, in Egypt over a half a million people have chosen Christ since 1990. And in Iran, which is predominantly Islamic, And all that's happening there, over 1 million have chosen Christ since 1979. I believe Jesus Christ's guarantee is coming through. This mission is good, it's global. But what makes it good and global is it's God. Say, it's God. What did he say? He said, this gospel of the kingdom... Will be preached to the whole world as a testimony in the nations and in the end will come. What kingdom is he talking about? He's talking about his kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God. Listen, this this gospel, it's not man-made. This gospel doesn't have made in Taiwan stamped on it. This gospel isn't of some human religious effort. No, 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 no. This gospel was formed in the heart of God. And this gospel was birthed in a manger in Bethlehem. And this gospel was field tested through the streets and the towns and the villages of Israel 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus Christ. And this gospel was paid for on a cross on a lonely hill called Golgotha outside the walls of Jerusalem. And this gospel was made ready to distribute to the world out of an empty tomb of a resurrected Christ. And this gospel was launched into this earth on a day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, when the followers of Christ, the 120 followers that they knew about, were all gathered together and the Holy Spirit came upon them and the great commission that we just saw a moment ago began to be played out in these believers' lives. And since that time, 2,000 years ago, The gospel has gone throughout all this earth just as Jesus Christ proclaimed and guaranteed it would. Why? Because it's God. It's not a denomination. It's not some uh, power behind it that has a lot of money. It's not because of some great marketing scheme or plan. Folks, it's only because of God. See, somewhere along the way, we're going to figure it out. The Bible tells us outright, the earth is the Lord's and everything therein. It belongs to Him. And He has a plan and a purpose for this world. And it will get carried to pass. Regardless of what that opposition is. Now, this gospel movement is not a movement of military strength. It's not a movement of abuse of power. It's not a a movement of who can get the most and who can have the greatest wealth so that we can be the ones in power. That's not what the movement of, of, of the gospel is all about. Now, unfortunately, in history, Christianity has tried to make it that way every now and again. And that's not the way of God. This is a movement of love. This is a movement of servanthood. This is a movement of humility. It's a movement of compassion. It's not just a message. It's a way of life. God has a plan. And this world will be totally redeemed by that plan. In fact, we saw it in the video with Mark Miller. He made reference to Revelation. Revelation gives us the end of the story. It gives us the end of the mission. It gives us the success. And John who writes Revelation and has the vision of what happens there. He sees in heaven and this is what he sees. He said, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. Now look at this. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever Be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought in to it. Right now, around this world, there are many nations that pretty much don't know the gospel or pretty much aren't gospel nations. But we will see when this mission closes, we will see every nation represented From this earth and the final plan that God has. It's good, it's global, and it's God. But it's not over. We gotta finish and we gotta finish strong. Because right now, there's 1.5 billion people in this world who have never heard this message. And Jesus Christ guaranteed this message. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole earth as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. I'm going to invite our band to come back up if they would, please. Let me tell you what that says to me personally. If, if, If God has the power and he has the love and compassion for the billions of people on this planet, to so come himself in the person of Jesus Christ and go through what he went through to provide for us the the confidence of the best life possible here, and eternal life with him, that there would be no fear of death, but a vision and a destiny of an eternal abundant life with him. And then he would gather his followers and say, I want you to take this wherever you go. I want to send you forth with this. Man, if He can do all that and He can accomplish this mission around this world where there's so much hatred and there's so much resistance to Him and His message, my friend, think about what He can do in your life. There's not one thing in your life God can't overcome, that God can't forgive, that God can't, heal that God can't restore that God can't deliver if he can carry this mission the first place he wants this mission to be carried out is in our own lives to know this good God who brings a message and a way of life and a power that says there's nothing that can conquer you in your life if you walk with me Now, one of the great ways we can see this happen in our lives is to participate tangibly in the mission work of the local church. We're going to give you a couple of ways by which you, through the Mount Perry North Ministry of Canton Campus, participate tangibly in the mission's efforts. One is through prayer. We have a ministry called Prayer Link where you can actually choose one of our missionaries and pray for them. You'd be part of their prayer team. You would receive Uh, regular type emails that would give you uh, the the prayer points that they need and you can pray for them. You can be in touch with them through email. Choose one of our missionaries and you can pray for them. Secondly, be a part of a short term mission trip. We take about four or five short term mission trips every year to one of our, uh, they'll go to several of our different uh, areas where we minister to our missionaries. Go over there, and we've we've had medical teams go where they have uh, given eye exams, they've done dental care, they've carried medicine to medical clinics and participated in treating people and in their physical needs. We've had building teams go where we've gone and literally built churches. I don't know how many churches we've built with the teams that have gone. We've built pews. We've got all kinds of different teams that go. This is an amazing, amazing part of participating in the missions effort, and I just wonder. I just wonder how many, how many folks in there, because I know we got married to campus folks that, that, have been, that have been attending Mount Perrin North. When we opened up here, this, is, this has become your, your campus now. And we've got folks that have either been a part of Prayer Link or you've been on some type of a short-term mission trip or maybe you've given in missions, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But if you're somebody in here and you can say, you know what, I've been a part of that and it changed my life, either by praying for missionaries or being on a trip or given admissions, man, it's something I've been a part of, and it changed my life. If you're here, would you do me a favor, and that's you? Will you just stand up where you are right now? I don't even know how many we might have. Just stand up where you are right now and say, man, this changed my life. Just look around. Just look around at these folks. Let me tell you something. There's something that happens when we begin to step outside of that comfort zone, step outside of that just where we are right now and really stretch for God and let Him begin to do through and in us that He wants us to do. Thank you. You can be seated. And here's a third way that you can be a part. You received as a part of the packet you were handed a card that looks like this. This is a faith promise card we called and, and you may not be prepared to do anything about this and most of you aren't because this is the first time we've done this here at this Canton campus. But I want you to take this card anyway. It's called, it says, Finish the Mission... On the front top part here, I want you to turn to the other side, if you would, please. The side that looks like this, that has this bold line right here in the middle. And underneath that bold line, I want you to understand what a faith promise is to missions. It's this. A faith promise is simply trusting the Lord for the ability to give an amount of money to be used specifically for world missions. A faith promise is a commitment to trust God to make all of grace bound towards you for the purpose of giving to His work. This principle is based on 2 Corinthians 9, 6-11. through When you complete Faith Promise Missions card, you're only indicating to this church body the amount of money you're trusting the Lord for the ability to give in addition to your tithe. The sum total of these commitments becomes the Missions Faith Promise budget. The support of our individual missionaries, home mission ministries, and strategic project requests made to our Missions board are depending on your Faith Promise pledge. Ask God what He would have you to give in faith then be obedient to Him in supporting the expanding missions outreach of Mount Perrin North Church of God. Turn to the other side, please, if you would. You see the, the side that has the demographic information there, please. And if you see where it says, Depending on God to enable me, my faith promised that February 2013 is, you see the dollar sign in that line there. If you know what God is already speaking into your heart of how you might want to participate, write that amount then there, and then check whether that's a total amount or that's going to be a monthly commitment from this moment till February of next year. And then give us all your demographic information. That bottom part is perforated. You can tear that off. To write down your commitment to pray about it and keep it before you as a reminder. Let me tell you something right now every dollar you give to missions goes straight to the field. None of that money you give to a faith promise missions pledge pays for anything in terms of the expenses or the overhead or administrative costs that we have to do here in order to serve our missionaries. Every dollar of missions goes to the field. What you put in the plate concerning tithes and offerings on a regular basis, that pays the expenses of the local ministry of Mount Perrin North. I know you may not be prepared. If you're not, here's what I want you to do, though. I want you to take this with you. Pray about it. And over the next coming weeks, when you come back, just bring this. You can just put it in the offering bucket as it's passed. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I want you to go ahead and begin the process of just praying about this. I'm going to invite our uh, hosts to come, if they would please, to wait upon you. Our band's going to play. And they're going to simply pass that bucket for you to simply put these cards in. That's all this is about. That's all this is about. We really want you to consider how you can participate. Because let me tell you something. Those 1,300 that came to Christ over the past year through our missions efforts... Those 75 filled with the Spirit, those 70 water baptisms, those hundred that were over over hundred that were healed, the over 75 delivered those seven church plants. When you participate either through prayer or going on a mission trip or giving, all those stories are your stories. It's a way that you and I can be a part of this guaranteed mission that the next one and a half billion people that have not heard will hear so that God's kingdom will truly be filled with the nations of the world. Father God, we thank you for this moment, this opportunity. We thank you, God, that you're a God of the nations. We thank you, God, that you're a God of this world. and You're a God that has the answer to all cultures. Father God, we just pray right now that you would speak to our hearts and enable us to hear you, to respond accordingly. I thank you for these folks that are here and I pray that you would just truly speak to their hearts and may our hearts be open to allow you to use us that this time next year when we ask folks that have been able to participate in missions and how it's changed their lives and they stand, we're going to see double the number that stood here today because of what you want to do in and through our lives. We thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.